0: Namotasa bhagavato arahato samma sambhudasa. Namotasa bhagavato arahato samma sambhudasa. Namotasa bhagavato arahato samma sambhudasa. Udang dhammang sangang namasami. Tonight, the full moon of the month of Marga (coughs) in the uh, ancient Buddhist calendar. Month of Marga. This is the full moon, so it's called the Marga Puja. And this is uh, uh, this actual solar date to this change every year because it's a lunar calendar. it's roughly generally in February. And it's uh, classically understood as the time or used as the occasion we commemorate uh, an uh, event in the Buddhist stories, legends, history, tradition. (coughs) In the 1250 Arahant or enlightened disciples spontaneously came to see the Buddha. So these are people who completely uh, cleared their minds and uh, realized... Uh, the ending of all stress and suffering and attachment, and came to see the Buddha just to pay the respects, you know, gratitude acknowledgement, sense of gathering together mm. and so, <clears> then <throat> the Buddha came and gave us brief exposition which was called a pati moka means thorough pati and moka is something to do with binding yeah. so it's a uh, thoroughly bound or thoroughly tied together and it's a uh, it was a, a phrase used also to describe um, the framework of the discipline of the monks and nuns, <clears throat> in that it's something that's our common bond. You know, it, it, it both we're all unified around that as we hold this in common. It binds us together, and it also binds us in the sense it, it restrains, it uh, it keeps the the summoner conduct. Uh, you know, restrained from unskillful influences, on skillful actions. <clears throat> so it kind of binds back, you might say, the things that can just uh, sort of spew out or lose the plot, or however you like to put it. You know, when people kind of transgress these things, they generally kind of end up losing, losing the thread of what the teaching is about. So it's also like a restraining um, medium. And when the Buddha... So this has twofold purpose to it, both to give a sense of where we are, the yes, you know, we are here, this is our thing, and also the no, we're not doing any of that. And uh, very simply, in this exhortation, the Buddha just said, you know, you, any kind of uh, violence, verbal abuse is just not on, you know, uh, that not, is not worthy of a summoner, <clears throat> one should not abuse or harm another, verbally or physically. <clears throat> And, uh, <clears throat> one also is re- restrained in terms of contentment with a simple place to lie down and, and meditate, to lie down and sleep or to sit up and meditate, um, and, uh, uh and, and this kind of framework of, of, uh, of, uh, restrained life, r- renunciate life, and then to, even more fundamentally to lift up what is really good and to keep pushing away harmful influences, Sabha papasa karana, to de- deliberately refrain from acting upon any kind of unskillful impulses, kusala supa sampada to lift up, to elevate, to acknowledge and to, to raise up and to admire and to celebrate the good you know, and purifying the heart. So these arahants obviously had done all that, so it wasn't like this is a new New story, but it's just almost like, hey, this is where you you can sum it all up when you want to teach others or train others. These are the kind of, this is the way you do it. You you talk about um, that which we we don't do, that which holds it together, which we refrain from doing. It's very much a do it thing. Yeah, so it's not talking about what we ultimate truth or what we finally are or realization. It's just do it and let it speak for itself. The Buddha almost never actually talked about any kind of thing, you know, apart from release. So so it's mostly about what you do. It's fundamentally not what you are. It's not about what you are. That is a kind of considered to be a sidetrack and something that just uh, causes a lot of confusion. Just do the thing and listen up and you'll find out what you need to know. <laughs> And uh, in this whole process, the, the, the beginning line of the Vada Patimogha is kanti paramam tapo which means that patience, uh, patient endurance, being patient, bearing with things, forbearance, is the highest or the supreme way of, of burning out. And the tapas is literally a kind of a fiery uh, burning out of these um, uh, impurities. It's like smelting, you know, just cleaning, you know, burning out the dross by being patient, and this is so. It's a bit of a play because in the Samana, uh you know, ethos of India, then often people take on either worshipping fire or doing, you know, austere practices, standing on one leg for 15 years, or never cutting their nails, or fasting, and things like that. So. And these were considered the tapas, the real kind of fiery stuff. And the Buddha said, no, that's not it. Real tapas is really just being patient. It's not about mortifying your flesh or doing any kind of um, big things like that. It's this inner quality of patiently bearing with. Um, and that's the epitome. And he says it, Paramam Buddha. He says this uh, quality of, of the, the ending of the fire... You know, not not having getting more fired up about truth or dhamma or religion or God or anything. Just the ending of the fire, the blowing out of all that, of all that uh, creation in the mind. This is what I say. This is the best. This is the highest. Where the mind doesn't get fired up. You know, uh, isn't isn't driven. Isn't bound. So there's a binding and there's an unbinding. Sometimes the Barnish translator unbinding. So there's a, there's a binding and there's an unbinding. Uh, and these are both two, you know, things we we bear in mind, or you know, we as our understanding. You see, the binding in a way is like uh, things we call vinya or training. Unbinding we might say is the dhamma sense of. The release, or the 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 release from attack from the things that we're bound with. So, quite a lot of the uh, training is about understanding boundaries and and understanding binding and understanding the elimination of boundaries, you know, and the unbinding yeah. boundaries. Establishing boundaries and also eliminating boundaries. Establishing bonds and also eliminating bonds. Establishing things that we stand, take a stand on and also eliminating standpoints. This may seem contra, uh, contradictory, um, but uh, that's the process. Because most of us, uh, we have all kinds of boundaries and bonds you know that we haven't clearly established, they've just kind of grown that way. You know, we have and generally the boundary that is there for us is this is mine, this is what I like, this is for me, this is my way of seeing it, and then there's the others you know? and so there's a little boundary there between me and the others or my way and everybody else's way. Or that which I enjoy, and that which I don't want to do, or you know, that which I agree with my opinion, and then other people's kind of crazy views. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a little boundary there, isn't there? Inside it, there's me and my stuff, and outside it, there's things that I don't really be part of. Yeah, you know? and, and we walk around and we kind of keep that template going, and, and so that, and uh, you know wherever we, we go, we operate on that premise you know, in some way crudely speaking mm. you know, when you get it more sophisticated with it at first yeah. <clears throat> and of course uh, you know it's very much encouraged uh, you know uh, to to do your thing to have things the way you like them to make your choices to which is going you know, to make you happiest uh, most successful most attractive what really fits you What's really for you? Uh, and then something is really, uh, feel in, it likes that and enjoys that or feels mm-hmm. confirmed in that because we do need to say, yes, we are, or something's here. You know, you can't, you're not kind of a nothing. Mm-hmm. But um, the problem is that this sense of, of, of presence, of, of being here, is established upon quite shaky uh, foundations the boundaries are not that cl- not that fully established not properly established yeah <clears throat> because uh, actually when you when you recognize it when you stab- when the boundaries are established around you know uh, me and you then there's going to be some kind of conflict isn't there between what i want and what you want <clears throat> if that boundary isn't somehow really understood and moderated and negotiated and You know, we can stretch it and we, you know, then then this is a source of conflict. When there's a boundary around, well, you know, I don't want anything unpleasant, then we're always going to feel very much offended, put upon, depressed and oppressed by the unpleasant. But when you recognize it, how could it be otherwise that, you know, (laughs) that one will be contacted by the unpleasant? It couldn't be that way. What's your relationship with the unpleasant? Do you feel indignant about it, unfair, unjust, wrong, you know, depressed, miserable, aggressive, (laughs) collapsing, rebellious, you know, or is it just what happens at that place of contact? Mm -hmm. And then the pleasant, you know, which we'd like to, you know, certainly abide with more is tends to be, you know, taken away. So that kind of leaks out of our little net doesn't it yeah. uh, and so th- these, uh, you know, this sense of our ourselves is established around pleasure pain which is really untenable because we can't actually keep the pain out and we can't hold the pleasure in so it's not much of a boundary <laughs> it's established around so feeling it's established around our bodies this is mine yeah is what I am, but you recognise, well, you need to keep putting food in it, propping it up, the thing still goes wrinkly and saggy, whatever you do with it, and, you know, and uh, sooner or later you end up, people have to do things to it, stick tubes in it and need needles in it to keep it going, and, you know, uh, and one can make a big thing out of being this particular body and wanting to make it somehow right and mine and dignified and, you know, stylish and Reasonable and so forth, and how other people think of it, and so on. And it's really not a winning card, is it? It's not a great, great um, deck we've got on terms of bodies. Um, But then we, you know, sense of self—it's established on it, and of course that's one of the big things, isn't it? You know, clothes, perfumes, hairdos. um, You know how lean you are, how Shape of your body, it can be a big deal for people. Uh, And yet it's never really going to be a firm boundary of self because it keeps falling away from that. Or we establish a sense of self based upon our particular impressions, our perceptions, our views this is right, this is fair, this is nice, this is free, this is okay, and then. She's doing it another way. I don't like that. That's wrong. You go to different countries, you see people doing things in different ways, and you realise how much of your own standards of what's polite or respectful, or you know, or the opposite, is quite subjective, hmm? and so on. And then we have also our particular uh, things, our, our activities, the sankharas—that's our, our, our uh, um, ways our minds work. You know? So people who, are, you know, intellectual can't understand people who are not. Why they're so stupid? You know, uh, frustrated, or people who are, you know. So you know these these kind of. Uh, um, programs and patterns of mind that we have yeah. and, and the energies that go along with them I wish to get things done The sankara. it's an activity it's a sort of moving, do it, volitional thing and this is always getting either there's too much to do, I feel overwhelmed there's not enough to do, I feel bored there's too much pressure on me to get things done nobody, or there's nobody notices what I'm doing <laughs> or people can't keep up. Why are people so lazy? They can't go at my speed. Or why is everybody really in such a hurry? They're going too fast. Or you know, why do we have to be so busy all the time? Or, or why is there not enough to do? Why do we have to be so stagnant and stale all the time? It very much depends on your own activations, your own volitional qualities. And so we find that we take a stand upon those. Yeah. And all this particularly in, you know in, in community life is is the is the stew pot that we're in. Because it, it doesn't none of it goes really according to anybody's and I don't think anybody's satisfied with it. <laughs> because you know, if you're a carrot you don't understand onions in the stew, in the stew pot. Why do onions like that? You yeah. know. You're a pea, you don't really see why potatoes have to be so big and lumpy. <laughs> <laughs> and all the time you're bubbling away and gradually going mushed down, you know, and losing your sense of, of potatoes are right, you know. I am a potato, why is my potato hood being challenged and melted down? <laughs> by all these peas, <laughs> the wimpy peas. So this makes community life kind of um, interesting. (laughs) And a great place to just be really patient, incredibly patient. In fact, nothing but patient sometimes. And it's really good to have that word in mind. Because all the the time something jars against one's way of doing something. Just... uh, Be patient, you know, feel that 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 snagging, that pushing, that recoiling, that why is he like that? And then be patient with that particular energy being disturbed. And so, you know, believe me, when you you look at these things, you recognize that for people who like it to be active, it's never active enough. For people who like it to be still, it's never still enough. For people who like it to be friendly, it's never friendly enough. For people who like it to be left alone, you're never left alone enough. For people who like to be with large groups, there's never enough people here. people who like to be with small groups, there's always too many people here. Believe me, it's like this all the time. <laughs> people like Dumber Talks, there's never enough teaching, Who don't like it. It's always going on too much. It's like this all the time, believe me. This is, the, this is the fire underneath the pot that we're bubbling away in. You know? And you can feel it in your nerve endings sometimes the frustration, the exasperation, and feeling overwhelmed or feeling undernourished. There's never enough, I've never given enough. I'm always stuffed with all this stuff. You know? I'm overwhelmed, I'm starved. I've never given enough attention. Always on my case, you know, it's always like that. Why is this? Because <laughs> <Yeah? laughs> we have, we're all karma. You could say one word, if that does you any good, but uh, more important is to say, just be patient, you know, because even if you knew why, it wouldn't really, isn't as good as to be being patient with it. <laughs> what you do is what counts. Not what you know. <laughs> but just encouragement to recognise it is it, it's you know, believe me, it's always like this. It's always going to be like this. Yeah. So at that boundary where one's getting disturbed, this is the place. Of practice, this is the place of dhamma practice. is right at that boundary, that edge where me and the other, my way and the way it's going, my wishes and the way, what's happening, right at that boundary where those two meet. That's 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 where you really bulk. Put your put your money on that one. Put your focus on that one. That's that's the place of the practice, dhamma practice it's not the only it's not the place only place of practice not the place it's it's but it's the place of real insight practice when we're establishing forms and structures and steadiness and routines and, and common standards then the, the place of practice is establishing those boundaries yeah of what we do what we what how we do things you know the structural things, and then the place of insight practice is how you you put your attention on the place where you're being disturbed, that particular inner boundary, that internal boundary, mm-hmm. where you're pulling back, you don't want to be bothered, or you're pushing forward, you want something mm-hmm. to do, or you know, it's too much, you're being overwhelmed, or it's not enough, and you're feeling undernourished. You know, it's that place. That's where you put your attention as we establish it. You feel the push in that, and you feel the pull in that, and you feel the the tides of energy rushing through that around that place. That's the place where you really, really Can I say it again? <laughs> patient Kanti Paramam, patient with it. and know what patience is it doesn't mean oh put up with this until it goes away it's not bad it's not a bad start but it's not good enough it's not I'm supposed to be patient I'll be patient No, no it's not good enough patience is just like if this goes on forever that's fine with me give up <laughs> you know the only thing that has to end at that place is the time boundary the sense of I'll be patient until it goes away you got to that's the bun you've got to you know so it's just like really loosening 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 and uh, so you know no one will do this but we will—I'll uh, say it—as um, an encouragement, because in a way we can't do it. You know, we find ourselves limited in how much we can really allow, how much we can really bear, how much we can open. But you know, that's that's the that's the main theme. That's the story of it, in brief. And the overview is just knowing how you can cultivate, cherish the patience and the openness that one has. And you know, park it. So, you know, so be, be content with that. Be patient with how patient you can be. Don't be impatient about how much patience you've developed. It takes time. It's so like a stretching, stretching a uh, a hard leather bag. You know, and you don't want to crack it. So you've got to soften it with kindness, supple it. You know, oil it, and gradually pressure, put a bit of gentle pressure keep stretching and stretching and stretching it becomes really smooth soft, open, pliable malleable and over years you'll find you can take more and more in without feeling overwhelmed you can also let it all blow out without feeling starved You've because your, your container is flexible and it feels good mm-hmm. so we come to that place of contact you know. You know, when I say contact is not uh, contact directly through the senses, it's the internal contact of where the heart is feeling that, that, that the effect of sights and sounds, and particularly the effect of thoughts. Hmm. Feeling the effect of them. The nagging of them. The seduction of them. The beckoning of them. Hmm. The, just one more go with this, of them. <laughs> come on over here, big boy. That kind of feeling. And also the the terrible, you know, how oh, dare they do that to me, <laughs> sense going on, you know. <laughs> I didn't come here for this sort of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, or the internal one of we you know oh, I'm so so tired, I've learned so much, I really can't do all this, and it's so much, I'm really a failure, and I'm whining and whinging kind of contact, <laughs> depression, oh, patient. Because if we if we lose that that particular experience, becomes crystallizes and becomes ourself. And probably this this happens quite a lot, doesn't it? You know, I've become the, the overwhelmed self several times a day, generally. I didn't come here to do all this stuff. I had a finance meeting, oh, finances, something to do with finances. So I really problems out. Why should I sort anybody else's problems out? I've got my own life to live. But, you know, and then there's emails from so-and-so and so-and-so. do not bother me with all this silly administrative stuff. English Sangha trust business. Stuff from Thailand. What's Thailand got to do with me? It's not my problem. Get out of my life, you know. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, i have kind of become a crusty old, curmudgeonly, <laughs> in my dotage, getting more and more grumpy. Thinking, oh dear, dear, dear. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sure, you'll have those moments. You know, just be a bit more patient with it. Just a little bit more patient with it maybe just for five minutes of being patient, with just the feeling of not all every little detail, but just that, that, that feeling of overwhelm, pressure. That's the bit you've got to focus on. Don't get lost in the topics. You see? This is a meditator's skill. See, a tendency as we get into the, all the details of the script of him and her and this event and that viewpoint... And his feelings and his standards. You just, no, no, no. That, that, that's like getting lost in all their undergrowth. Go to the root of where you're suffering and it's, oh, you overwhelmed or exasperated or well, not enough, you know. And then you get to this thing, right? That's where the boundary, where you're starting to form into being an overwhelmed self. We you're starting to form into being a misunderstood self. Or he's starting to form into being a frustrated self, you know. Never listened to, never really, really acknowledged the amount of work I've done, that I've given to this place. It's never really, really understood. <laughs> <laughs> valued. You know, oh, you know, they get quite fired up. So then there's this, hmm, interesting And so whatever one becomes, that's the signal. The alarm bell should be ringing. Starting to believe in being something. And immediately you've just thrown away freedom. You know, you've thrown away a freedom of being a curmudgeonly old so and so. Was it even worth it, you know? And you feel like, inevitable, because the world does this to me. You know, they're all doing it to me all the time. This unjust, cruel world is doing it to me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that uh, you know if you're a sucker, <laughs> Mara's out there with enough stuff for you to get become a self around. It's sure, it's the potential is there. Yeah. But the point is, for a meditator, you know, to bring your point to that place where you're getting formed into being something, say, so, wait a minute, this isn't all the little details, this is just one particular point you're being asked Look, look at the place of contact, at the disturbance, at the grasping, at the reactivity. You don't deny that, and criticize it, feel guilty about it, feel ashamed of it, just be patient right there like breathing out, opening up, widening your focus, as if you're almost sitting in the bathtub with it, just feeling all that lovely, prickly, you know, stirred up energy, and just going, oh. yes, ah, oh. mm-hmm. and then it sort of burns out. Only it only takes only catches fire if, so, if something comes in and makes a self out of it. So this is this is the this is the dummy punch, you know. And if you want to stick your chin on in front of it, you get a whack. But you can't, you know, you can't expect the world to not be throwing punches at you. Or you know, off whatever, blandishments and enticements, you know. But it's whether you're going to be the, the, you know, go for it or not. And this going for it is not self. It's an activity. It's called a sankara, and it's the only one you have to deal with, really. It's a sankara of attachment. The fundamental sankara that builds or establishes a self. Something happens, and this thing, this particular Sankara, it's an activity, hooks the sense of I am onto it. This isn't a decision, we don't decide to do that, it's a reflex. It comes off, we hear something and I hear it. Well, who who, who heard it? Well, I don't know, I did. Who, who thought that? You know? Well, I guess I did. But the sense of I am actually comes after The experience, not before it. It's the the tag on the end of it, and it's the, the favoring of that experience or the disfavoring of it. And when these patterns get established, there's, I always like this, and I want and I feel like this, and this is the way I like to do it. That sankara, that particular activity, becomes so familiar, so frequently adopted. So frequently belong to that that's who I am. Because it's happened a thousand times. I'm familiar with that. There's a familiarity with that. So we get into that kind of reflex habit, do it over and over again. That what is familiar, what is habitual, what is customary, what is compulsive becomes the norm what becomes the norm, becomes the place that I am. Does that make sense? Because yeah. Yeah. Where, I, where I establish myself, where I feel my sense of that. And most of us are spending a time trying to find the right pattern to become. Trying to get a reasonable I am. You know, this is my thing. What I do, my place, my people, my ways of behaving, get established. And, uh, you know, they get a little bit frustrated because it doesn't quite, quite go exactly according to the plan. There's these other people around <laughs> who are not cooperating and there are things, people dying at the wrong time and illnesses happening and then things breaking down and things going astray and time not quite operating and then something crashing in when I want to have a private moment. It doesn't quite get there. So we try a little bit harder, you know, a bit more force perhaps, a little more, you know, putting something more into it to really get this together. In meditation generally, what you do is you find, this is my space. Out. <laughs> you know, get my little place, no contact, off, out. This is mine. And then, you know, Something happens, you get this kind of clash because I'm trying to do my practice in my private booth. And, you know, why do I have to, why does it fix the roof? The dripping roof? You know, or, you know, something happens. So you know, you can't really establish the these uh, these these uh, these places where we want to establish our boundaries. May I feel pleasant and calm? May I not be bothered? May I be not be disturbed? May things go nice and smoothly the way I like them to? May things be agreeable? You know. May I feel well and happy. May my meditation be productive and interesting. No, sorry. (laughs) Nice try, but who are you to say? (laughs) You know, meditation is often boring and frustrating. It's either too long or not enough. Or well, something, you're getting it right and then something happens to your body, your knees go, your hip goes, or you get cold or something. So, but the Buddha said, you know, he didn't make this a party monka. He didn't say, you know, he um, didn't make these the boundaries of the training. He said, no, no, you can't have that. What you can have is not hurting or harming or abusing other people. Make that yourself, if you're going to make a self out of anything, make that your standpoint. Yeah. Make it the one of uh, just uh, being contented, restrained in the senses, according to the senses. Make that your standpoint. Make your standpoint the relinquishing of what is harmful. Not never being, never having those impulses, but actually recognizing them and doing this kind of Loosening and relinquishing of them. May your stand, make your standpoint lifting up that which is good, attending to it, firming it up, putting yes, yeah, saying yes to that. You know, so we have our yeses and our noes established not around some kind of personal karmic viewpoint of what fits my particular disposition, but around that which is suitable in terms of the training, in terms of liberation. And you see these are really, um, these boundaries, for example, you took something very simple like not harming or abusing another. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take that very seriously right into your, into your, into your way of thinking, you know, you see that, that this quite, it's quite a, it's quite a practice actually to not have a negative thought about somebody else. Now I don't say that you, you can make that a stand up, but you can make it an aspiration. So so you recognise when you get this negative thought of Daisy yeah, He's just doing his own thing, you know. Of uh, of like mmm mmm you know, what's actually happening for you at that place? Ooh feeling a bit disappointed, irritated. Be patient with that. Now, this may, this may seem as if it's just, well, you know, who cares? But no, it's not, it's not about not having these standards, but it's about trying to establish them from the place of, you know, encouragement rather than negativity. Like this, is, this is, we train, we practice in this way, we follow these precepts, because these are for our welfare, for my welfare, for your welfare. It gives you self-respect, it makes us able to live together, it eliminates the, 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 the tensions around that if we behave in this particular way. This is beautiful. Let's do it. Not, you're a lazy so-and-so, you creep, you shouldn't be here. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't always make the high standards on day one or even day hundred or day thousand. You know, when you look at it, actually the standards keep going up, can't it? So you can either feel extremely frustrated and annoyed Or you can say, you're patient with that, let go of that particular contact impression in your own mind and go back to that from the yes place. Like, this is the beautiful, why do we do this? Why do I do this? Is it good or is it not good? I want to offer this, you know, something beautiful. Because the problem with all the, uh, uh, any any standards we create with these, uh, in this uh, religious spiritual life or domestic things or whatever, they're, they're, they can be right, you know, true. But then you've got to be careful that you, you don't... Uh, you, take, you, you take your eye off how, how you're holding them. Hmm. So these aren't really establishing a self. These are establishing particular boundaries. They're not establishing self. They're establishing boundaries that we can firm up. But they're not establishing a self. They're not establishing, I am right and you're wrong. They're establishing, this is the boundary for all of our welfare. And, uh, you know, it's like that. So you establish a boundary of behavior that's not established making a self out of it. Hmm? And the problem comes when we establish those boundaries, or we establish particular forms of behavior, we establish these particular religions, whatever, and they somehow they become territory, they become property, they become mine, my group. And then it's kind of defensive and critical and feeling threatened, people are undermining, you know, this, that and the other. And we've got to make a big stand here. And you think, geez, you know, oof. I've got to defend the world. I defend Buddhism against the world. Oof. <laughs> you know, it's a big job, isn't it? Keeping the the whole kind of Theravada tradition going, it's pristine quality. Oof. <laughs> You know, I don't think I'm cut out for that. But if you actually, you know, practice and then the beautiful and the good, then, you know, you realize that, that which is capable of being nourished will be nourished, <coughs> that which is capable of being grow will grow. And, you know, it will be as big and as good as it can be. You recognize that in terms of the world of manifestations, the world of the, you know, the human populace, some people will like it, some people won't. It doesn't get any better than that, really. Even the Buddha never really liked him, or believed him, or followed him. So you just, you know, but the Buddha wasn't bothered by that. He didn't get offended, overwhelmed, you know, crusty. (laughs) Just do the good. And... Some people pick it up, some people won't. That's their, that's their issue, really. So we kind of keep that, you know, so it's really a sense of encouraging the, this this training for, for its goodness and then really looking into where one's coming from with that. You know, inquiring into that. Because, you know, unless one is a Arahant, for sure there's going to be places where one's clinging. You know, there's nothing to be shameful about. It's just... The, you want to know about it, really, where I'm getting stuck, where where my sense of me is starting to form. And that's the thing you want to keep your eye on. Because around that, then you'll form the others. The others will be formed dependent upon where you form yourself. You form, you form yourself around this, then everybody else becomes, you know... Yeah, it's clear, isn't it? In a way, you know, if I if I am if I'm feeling the overwhelm that everybody else is lazy, useless, a burden, not cooperating, you know, so that, that's the scenario. If I'm feeling kind of offended, then everybody else is being nasty, uncooperative, and so forth, and so so you know that's how it, that's what happens. Or gen- generally, you know, it can, or you find some somebody who can be the other for you, the, the, the scapegoat, take the rap. I'm not feeling enough, therefore, it's it's you. You're not giving me what I want. <laughs> anyway, somebody who can carry it for you. Yeah. These are these are the things that we we do, you know, find ourselves. So when we recognise it, and it's the time to own up and really investigate the place of where one's getting, where the disturbance is. So you've got to be very humble about it. You know, so that's you know, start with that. That really, this doesn't have to be a, per, a self issue. It's like just you know, get down to the level of mind states and energies, and own up to what's going on. You know. For your own welfare, not set anybody else straight. But for your own welfare, really look into that. Where do we find ourselves, kind of hanging back? Where do we find ourselves wanting to be, feeling different or being special? So when I was in in um, in, in Thailand, then. You know, I come to this uh, foreign country where in some ways what I am is immediately known. You know, wearing this robe, shaven head, you know, age, must be a senior monk. So I mean, everybody knows exactly who I am on one level and they know exactly what to do. Oh, please come here, sit down, Angelina, please offer this. They don't know anything about the bit that I know, you know, the me bit, which is kind of Moving around that thing, I take myself to be thoughts and feelings and emotions and so forth. They don't really want to know. I know that's your problem. You know, you get on with that. We'll do with Ajahn Sucitto. We'll do this because you are Ajahn Sucitto, and all you've got to do is just keep, you know, doing enough to keep (laughs) to keep that thing viable. You know, so you know, do the bit. You know, the rest of it doesn't matter, it's, it, you, you know, it's your, it's your practice, sorting that out, even that. And, you know, and you go there and, and you can find yourself feeling because I can't speak the language very much, so I feel very, even though people are very familiar with Ajahn Sajito, I feel completely uh, an outsider. So it's strange, you know, you're you're, you're an alien to yourself. You're an alien to, to your image. Everybody else is very familiar with their image, the only person who's not familiar with it is me. <laughs> Doesn't quite know, you know, what am I supposed to, oh, this is what Ajahn Sijido does, he does this, okay, fine, you know. Because <laughs> I walk around and I sort of start to do something and then somebody comes and says, no, I'll do that for you. Oh, right, okay, I've got to let everybody do things for me. Right, you know, you're getting this kind of, where's my sitting cloth gone? Where's my sitting cloth? Somebody's taken it. Oh, well, where's my where's my saying go? Somebody's taken your saying Where's my bowl? They're taking it. Where's my spoon? They're taking that. And you just, oh, well, I don't know. Just well, You don't have to know. Just walk to where you're going, and you go there, and it's all sitting there, waiting for you. Uh, well, and you, get, you stand up, and you go around to pick up your sitting cloth, and it's gone. Somebody's taken it. <laughs> oh, goodness, well, where's my property? Where's my belongings gone? Yeah. I suppose, you know... <laughs> Because everybody else is handling urgency I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Just basically stay cool and don't get in a flat, you know, and look reasonably happy and composed. That's that's all it's asked, really. (laughs) (laughs) And then you find yourself actually wanting to do something back, you know, like sweep up you go to pick up a broom and somebody takes it out of your hand. You can't do anything, you know. It was interesting because I lost my... when my, I my, my flew from New Zealand to, to Thailand, and I got off the plane in Bangkok, and, uh, you know, and I stood by the luggage delivery bay and stood there being patient, <laughs> stood there watching these bags going round till there was fewer and fewer, and none. And then this lady came along, stood, you know, they would stand about eight feet away from you in Thailand, and made Anjali, and said, please come this way, you know. So, your bags have not arrived, you know, so okay. Ah. So, there's a whole world of me in that bag. There's a lovely feeling, like, there's all my, my books, my robes, my bowl, my, my special things, my personal belongings. My, you know, my identity's in that bag. It's gone. I don't speak the language here. Oh, I got my passport. And I got what they call a bisuti, which is your bhikkhu identification thing. That's all I got. That's really nice, isn't it, actually? Well, I wish I'd lost that bag earlier. <laughs> because that's all I need, actually. Everybody else knows who you are. You're one of these, so you do this to them. And they, they take you somewhere, and they write your name down, and then somebody's waiting for you in the car, and you get in the back of it, and you can't... They don't know you, and you don't know them. They don't need to know you. They just drive you somewhere. You get out at the other end, and somebody opens a door for you, and you... You know, shows you where to go. Ooh, you know. So all that sense of uh, holding it together and do it, you know, doing my thing. And then, you know, with that, somehow you feel well. You should somehow pay it back. You know, they don't know. They don't want you to do anything back. It's just, just, just relax. Yeah. And. uh, so then I went to, went to, uh, the main monastery, Wat Ba Pong, and so when I arrived I didn't have any gear, so immediately they gave me a bowl, and they gave me a, a sanghati, so I'd look in the sitting cloth, so I'd be able to do the right thing, and Wat Ba Pong got there and I sat down. And obviously word had got around, because within the 20 minutes immediately these sanghati, these robes started appearing, you know, if you wanted to give me something. <laughs> You know, and you just sort of sit there, because, uh, uh, and then feeling a bit awkward and a bit embarrassed, and then I'm strange, and I'm foreign, and I'm big, and I'm white, and everybody else is nice, and, you know, right size, and the right colour, and their robes match their skin, and it all looks so nice, you know, this kind of gawky white thing, walking around (laughs) being weird, and clumsy, and lumbering, and, Mumbling in inarticulate half phrases in Thai that people giggle over. <laughs> and, you know, you feel very, very self conscious and not wanting to be part of it. I could feel that kind of holding myself with this sense of embarrassment and awkwardness. You realise nobody else cares. They don't care whether you're weird, foreign, strange, white, blue, pink, speak the language. They don't care. You're totally welcome. Just relax. You know. Just go with it. Give up, you know. And just go with it. So just all right, <laughs> relax and go with it. And things just flowed along. You know. And you see the beauty of a of a of a of a convention like that. All you need to do is know how to bow, you know, how to sit, how to hold a bowl. Uh know, kind of few basic protocols, rest of it, it's just what your mind wants to make of it, liking it, disliking it, feeling awkward, feeling necessarily, feeling useless, feeling important, feeling unimportant, just what you want to, you know, if you want to do all that stuff, go right ahead, you know, but you don't have to. Feeling guilty, you know. Favorite, not doing enough. Guilty. If you want to feel guilty, that's up to you. But, you know, you can just, you can put that, you can relax with that. It's actually really good to see all these kinds of self-forming patterns. You know. Trying to set a good example. If you want to do that, that's up to you. But, you know, just basically... We're not, you know, here to prove anything either. Well, and so it's, it's uh, really emptying out, and witnessing all these kinds of nervous twitterings and uh, funny feelings and and awkwardness and uh, and you know, what the hell is going on here anyway? And why are we doing this? And, you know, just. Go give it up. Be patient with that. So you see there's something actually really uh, beautiful about uh, having these kinds of simple boundaries, if they're held and they're, you know in, in the right way. The simple conventions are held in the right way. Um, you know, whereby there is a recognition. That, that fundamentally in the heart we have the sense of recognizing we're all different, therefore always going to feel awkward, always going to, you know, need a little bit of reassurance that you're okay, you're welcome to be here. That's because we're we are who we are, you know, with our karma. We, we need that. We need a bit of encouragement and kindness, I'm sure. We probably need careful, peaceful guidelines to remind us. Don't do this, do that. Go this, go that. And it's not offensive, and it's not punitive. It's just like just helping to hold you, hold you up, because that's the beautiful way. So we keep that spirit going, and it's not self. It's to others as to myself. May others encourage and support me. May they make me feel welcome, may I make them feel welcome, may I respect others, may they respect me, may they correct me, you know, may they remind me, you know, uh, of, of, the, of where, where things are getting slack or things need firming up. So this is not establishing a position, but establishing a training. The Training really works when we don't establish a self around it because then one is never frustrated. You know, I think when I started, came here to, to <clears throat> do whatever I'm supposed to be doing, that I've never been able to do properly. <laughs> you know, I think somehow or another, without really thinking of it, you get this feeling of, well, I'll just set, set up this, you know, tell people what to do and that, that's it, right, we finished, you know. And of course, what, what occurs, you you know, you give some talks, lay down some standards, and people live two or three years, and that group of people go, another group of people come, so you sort of say the same sort of thing. And you think, I've said this before. But you don't, re- don't recognise, actually, that either it's new people, or, yeah, you said that, but that was actually three years ago and they've forgotten. So you're saying the same thing, it's kind of feeling of, I'm oh, fed up with saying it's the same thing, why do people get it together, you know? And, it's, you know, you know. <laughs> and then a feeling, you know, expect somebody who walks in through the door to already have all the training down, you know, without really need, needing reminders and encouragement. And doing, saying the same things, the same reminders and encouragement without feeling impatient about it, without feeling oppressed by it. Just this is another day, another offering. You know, sentient beings, we're like this. This is what we need. This is where it goes. This is, you know, to oneself and to others, the ongoing guidance, training, Kindness, firming up. You know when you get start to form yourself around taking it easy, firm up, sharpen up. When you start to form a self around getting really you know too hard, soften up, loosen up. Wherever you form it, check it out, check out what's happening. And it's not a self. What it is is a contact impression running through your nervous system. And becoming habitual, and you're not actually addressing it. It's a sankara. It's a, a, a habitual formation. It's a calming activity that's, that seems tagged as yourself. It's your compulsive work ethic. It's your compulsive not work ethic. <laughs> It's your compulsive. Make sure you're good enough for the rest. Ethic. It's to make sure, or, or it's the, or it's the feeling of who cares about anybody else? It's their opinion, attitude. You know, and any of these are you know, we snag on and we stick around, and then that forms a self, you know, and it becomes a lump. Hmm? So in this kind of uh, community stew pot, it's boiling down, isn't it? Is it kind of softening all those lumps, till we become beautiful soup that mm. is tasty and uh, has all these lovely ingredients in it—the tangy, the sharp, the spicy, the earthy—and yeah. then our, our kind of boundary is, is is the whole pot, which we all, you know. Share in and are shared by, and so you know this is uh, kind of an ongoing thing because it doesn't is not something that uh, you can just do. You have to more or less begin to recognize the resistances, uh, the 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 ways you know that are happening, and. Attend to those, and then this process happens by itself. Process of softening, unbinding from these attachments happens by itself. So tonight is our, our, our meditation um, vigil, meditation endeavour, and uh, the main main theme of the of, uh, of such an occasion is. is being patient mm. with the changes of energy, the physical discomfort, the time boundaries, the, you know, the, the the routine of it. It's you know. being patient with that, supervising it, and you strengthen that that one theme. It will be for enormous welfare and benefit because this is the supreme practice.